Welcome back. Welcome back. To Pop Opinions. Pop Opinions. Episode 32. Yes, that didn't sound very confident, but you did get it right. I did. Yes. 32. <laughs> okay, so how are you doing? Okay, Jack. Again, I am surviving. We're, not not we're, thriving? No. We're, yeah, no, because we're waiting for a big announcement tomorrow. So everyone is feeling a bit stressy at work. So today I just work from home, though. I was like, most of my work I could do at home. And that's what I did. And that made me feel better. And then Meg and I were out for maybe an hour or so. And she was like, I can't wear this mask anymore. Like, I can't. She's like, I don't know how you do this all day. And I'm like, and add goggles to that. Like, not cute goggles. Like, scientific goggles. (laughs) Those aren't cute. What are cute goggles? I don't know. Some people have, like, these, like, glasses now that are, like, they're curved. So they've been board approved. But just not everybody has them yet. So mine are, like, they suction to your face. So... Yeah, so it's fun. How are you doing? You're getting close, eh? Yeah, only a couple of weeks left. Definitely a lot of feeling a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah, quite a few projects, but I'm glad we ha- I have this as just kind of an outlet and a chance to take a little break and and just concentrate on something else. Yeah, yeah, unwind, but also oh, I thought you said wine. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and wine. That's what I thought you said. Unwind and get it's to okay. talk about fun stuff. Just go wine. Wine. Yeah. Fine wine that's what it is uh, so we're going to talk today about american history x our top 100 movie challenge we're going to go through the edward norton imdb mm-hmm. but first let's do it let's talk about episode two that's yeah. what i was trying to think about episode two of falcon and the winter soldier yes definitely it, and not that episode one was bad but it just seemed like we found out what the crux of the show was going to be yes and it, I feel like we really amped it up, right? Because now they're together, like Sam and, and like Bucky. Like they're like working kind of together, but they have such great chemistry because it's like such a frenemy, I find. Like it's a very love-hate relationship. So it's really fun to watch on screen, right? Yeah, even the the scene we already saw from a trailer, I think it was Sebastian Stan's Instagram where they're talking about What's one of the big three? It's aliens, it's wizards, or it's androids. Yeah. And he's like, we're not fighting any wizards. Like, what are you fighting, Gandalf? And I just, that exchange is so good. Yeah. And it was just, I love, and especially because uh, my girlfriend and I, we finished, like, we finished Spider-Man Far From Home last night. So she's fully caught up. And I was just thinking about him. Like, I think Sam is probably one of my top five Avengers. Nice. Because, and especially in this, where yeah, we get to I see like more of too. him. But it's just the delivery of his lines yeah. and just them two his, together. They have such a good dynamic. They do. And their his their expressions with each other, like they don't even have to say a lot, but you know what they're thinking. Like they're very good at, you know, my one of my favorite scenes, which we had seen in the trailer was them in their therapy session and they're sitting super close together. And she's like, what are you guys doing? Are you guys having a staring contest? And then she has to like you know, snap her fingers because she's just like, oh my God, are you guys five? Like... But they are, there's something about each other. They bring out this um, like childlike behavior. Yeah, a competitive side that once they, and this episode also gave us a lot more John Walker and the, I mean, enough. This is going to be interesting because you and I had, see, I wish we had those debates on here, like a fresh debate, right? Yeah, I mean, it gave us the background of that character and how he became the new Captain America. Yeah. 
I think the one thing we have to say, and it goes outside of the show, is anyone that is sending hate towards Riot, Wyatt Russell, I know. That, that's not the point of the show. It's not the point of the character. Even uh, uh, good villains, like my girlfriend saw a commercial for uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan's in a new Amazon movie, and she like had an, an, a, a visceral reaction to him. And I'm like, that's how good he is of an actor. And she's like, yeah, but I've never sent hate to him. He just did a good job with the character. Exactly. Which is exactly what Wyatt Russell's doing. He's yeah. carrying the Russell ma- uh, man legacy. I know. In the Marvel when Cinematic he, Universe. When he first started talking, we, he was sitting in the back of the truck or whatever. When he was talking really for the first to- like we'd heard him before but this was the first I don't know anyways I couldn't believe how much he sounded like his dad like Kurt Russell like I was like if I closed my eyes that's who I would have said it was but then it, and then it kind of stopped it was only like a moment where I was like oh my god it sounds exactly like him my thing is is that he is as a human getting hate mail from Marvel fans and it's like guys like come on he's it's, a character it, it's a character that's been and, it, and it's also people's reaction and it's Sam and Bucky's reaction yeah. to yeah seeing a new Captain America, yeah. seeing someone. And that's the thing. There's a moment where the first time we see him, and I'm pretty sure it's the opening scene of the episode where he's on Good Morning America. Yes. And he's with the HBCU band. And it's he's the hero. He's the new fun hero. And he says, I'm, I'm not Iron Man. I'm not Dr. Mm-hmm. Banner. And you can see what we thought was humbleness. Yes. That we knew from Steve. Right. But it turns out he is the opposite of what steve was he's a perfect soldier not necessarily a good man okay that's that's a fair that's a fair comment i feel like for me i approach the character as he is trying to live up to someone and that's a very very hard thing to do so he might have to have that arrogance for his own self-preservation or you know something along those lines of just like i don't he's not a bad guy He's not he's not a bad I know you think he might turn into one. I think that's my theory of the show, especially where we see the Flag Smashers who are our presumable villain, and I just think when the leader of the group, Carly, I'm pretty sure it's Carly, yeah, yeah. gets the text that says, You stole from me, I'm going to kill you. I think that's John Walker. And that is completely just a theory, but I think Especially the way we saw the and the character development for John Walker in one episode is incredible. It is. It is. I will agree with that for sure. Like it is. He goes. But I think that's good because I think I I this is the way I interpret it. He went in with good intentions. He came he came into the role with very good intentions. He wasn't trying to be anybody. But I think being compared to and and this press tour thing he's on and. I don't think it's what he thought it was going to be. So when he shows up to help Bucky and Sam and he's not well received, I think that's his, his TSN turning point. I think he's like, oh, crap, like I'm kind of on my own here or like he, he does have his friend. But even even that sequence, he calls him Bucky and yeah. he says, no, like you're not calling me that. And then he says to Sam and to me, it was the part where I'm like. I'm I'm done. Not I'm done with this guy, but I'm done with thinking this guy could be a good person. Right, right. When he says, you know, it'd be really good to be Captain America with Sam with Captain America's wingman yeah. and Sam. And that just made me think, sure, they did adventures together, but calling him a wingman is so disrespectful. And Yeah. And calling him Bucky. It's two disrespectful cases of and they just say, No, we don't want to sit in this truck, we'd rather walk. Yeah. And you're right, that is the point where he turns and he's like okay, I have to be Captain America and I have to make it my own. Yeah, yeah. So I feel, 
I, you and I definitely approached it very differently where I still, and he might turn out to be a bad guy and that's totally fine. I will eat my words, but I think it's because of how things have been set up for him that he's going to turn bad. Oh, he, he, if, if you would say he has perfect circumstances, it cannot be the case. This was, especially in this world, an American icon that go back to the second world war. He sacrificed his life to save the war or to end the war. Yeah. Like, there's there's no comparing to that. It's almost like, I know they have to do this for the show, but it's almost like if they just gave him a different name or didn't give him the shield. Right. It would, people would accept him more because... Just make up a new name kind it, of this thing. Is, this isn't just repeating Captain yeah. America. You're not trying to replace. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, a new... We don't need to replace Steve. He's irreplaceable, yeah. right? And even John says that. He's like, I'm not here to replace Steve. I'm not here to replace Captain America. I'm mm-hmm. here to be my own person. Yeah. And he is there with the intention of helping and wanting to do good so far. Yeah. So we'll see what kind of transpires in the next four episodes. But like, I hope Bucky and Sam don't, not only are they going to have to stop, what are they? The flag, flag smashers. Yeah. Flag smashers, but then they're going to have to also deal with him. <laughs> so. And it, and to me, it's the most, they're approaching it the most Steve way possible, Sam and Bucky, of they're going completely and after um the scene where they meet isaiah bradley who in the comics is uh, the first ever black captain america they use the super soldier serum on him and then because the world isn't ready for that they imprison him and they imprison him in the show as well right and it's just kind of wiped away from history yeah i have to say excuse me the best part i'm finding what i'm really loving about the show is how they're bringing in the racial injustices without it being not i don't want to say thrown in your face i'm fine with it thrown in my face too but i'm like it's more of this it's subtle but in your face like it's i don't know the combination is is beautifully done well yeah because in that sequence before they go to isaiah's house there's a kid that goes hey it's the black falcon Mm -hmm. and he goes no it's just falcon Falcon. he's like well my dad says it's the black falcon because Sam and the Falcon is the only black character that doesn't have black in front of their name. Yeah. I guess War Machine as well. But I was but just thinking like Black Panther. And then the guy, and then he says, well, do I call you Black Kid? And the kid's just like, huh, that's true. And he's just, I got him. And then we go in and we we get that whole scene with Isaiah. And then we go out and the, the police show up. And they are so rude to him, to Sam. What, let me see your ID. And as soon as he gets a little hostile because he's done nothing wrong... They start reaching for their guns, and it's something that is it's, real. It's real. And I think it's really good to show people how real that is. And, you know, and then they, they arrest Bucky, whatever. Like, they they have a whole different reason. And and didn't they? Oh, once they figured out who he was, then they were fine with him. Well, because, yeah, the one officer's talking to him, and another has to whisper to him. Almost the same in the first episode of The Banker that's like, oh, did you play for, played LSU? Oh, no, yeah. you're an Avenger. He has to go. Whisper to him, that, like, this guy's an Avenger. Like, you can't you can't be doing this. And the whole yeah. neighborhood is watching this go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, it has nothing to do with him being an Avenger. He did nothing wrong. He mm-hmm. literally was walking down I, the street. And they were saying to Bucky, is this guy, bo- is he bothering you? Yeah, because they were having an argument. That's how it started, right? But then they showed up like out of nowhere. It's like, what are you just like cruising the streets looking for? Like, right? Like it was just waiting for a situation like that. I know. Yeah, it's really well done. It's yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Like I I so look forward to my Fridays at seven when I have to wait. Um, The other the other part about John Walker was after that and after they get Bucky out of jail, 
the first thing he says when he gets Bucky out is he's too much of an asset that we can't have him tied up. Mm. Like, that's how you see him. And also, Hydra was the one that called him an asset. Yeah. He's a person. Yeah, he's a person. And um, he does the little, like, shrug of, like, ooh, I did that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, you're welcome, you guys. And then he flashes the police horn or the police sirens to get their attention. Yeah, outside, yeah. And after they say, like, no, we're not going to help you, he just... and And I think it's how you have to set up that character. And he just goes, stay the hell out of my way. Because... Technically, in the eyes of the law, he is right because he's Captain America. Yeah, he is. And he has the government behind him, whereas the other two are kind of rogue a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I know. It's interesting. I just I feel like it's it's um, I don't want to generalize, but like a male ego thing is what's happening to him, because I think, like I said, I think he went in with good intention and now he's not being well received and he doesn't like that. No, and it, it is very fair. And again, Wyatt Russell, to me, the reason why I'm so upset is because he's doing such a good he job. Is. And like you said, the character development in one episode, like I can't wait to see what he brings next week. Like he's so good. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting because I think from, because they usually do in week trailers that I imagine this is when we get reintroduced to Sharon Carter. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to her being back in. I'm interested to see what kind of role she is going to have, not in the show, but just like her character. Yeah. Like why is she kind of brought in and stuff and just... Because the last time we saw her, she was on the run from the government as well in Civil War. Yeah. Well, And also, I didn't realize it, but in Endgame, when they're showing all the people that are missing, Mm. she's on that list. So she blipped away. Okay. Which I still can't stand that it's called the blip. The blip. But this also Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the first... Uh, the first show movie anything that happens after endgame right right and far from home is after wandavision it's eight months eight months after endgame right but didn't you just say that after eight endgame is falcon and the winter soldier and then wandavision and then far from home yeah so just release in a different order crazy they really keep us on our toes All right, you ready? Ooh, I almost knocked over my notebook. Are uh, yes. you ready to get into our movie challenge of this week? Yes. American Ooh. History X. What a feel-good, fun story. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, 1998, directed by uh, Tony Kay, and it tells the story of two brothers, Derek and Danny, and their involvement in white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups. Yes. Yeah. So Derek is played by Ed Norton and Danny is played by Edward Furlong. Is it Ed Norton or Edward Norton? I it's both. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't really pick one. Yeah. I got to just go back and forth. Me too. Okay, good. Um, so so I had obviously I'd seen the movie, hadn't seen it in a really long time, and then um, rewatched it, you know, on a Saturday morning, and then it really set my day for just pure depression. <laughs> Of just, you know what? The movie is so fabulously done and it's, it's such an important movie and it's really held up well, um, for it being however old, right? Like, yeah, 98. So 23 years now. Yeah. 2021. Right. Three. I was thinking five, Carrie, I was thinking your sister was born in 98, so I should know it's 23. Um, it is, it is held up well. It is, um, there are some really powerful scenes and there is some really tough, tough scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the toughest scene being the arrest curb stomp scene. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I like liked about this movie is that they gave 
not that it's right, but they at least gave a reason of why they are the way they are, and it's that their father was killed during a or was shot during a. Oh, well, he's a fireman, so during a fire. Yeah. Yeah, and his father had those beliefs as well. So I think sometimes when you're passed, when those beliefs are passed down, like hate isn't, you're not born with hate in our body. It definitely has to be um, taught somehow. Mm-hmm. And they were taught from their from their dad. And he, he was, you know, they had quite a good family unit and then his dad died and it all went to hell. Um, what I love, uh, there's so many things to love about this movie, but what I do really like is when they do the black and white is the past and then the color is like the is like either the present or yeah it's the present um because it's a cool way to tell a story without trying to figure out like when is this or what's happening um so I liked I liked the way it was um laid out Mm -hmm. the story it wasn't a linear like a to b it had some dividends there Mm -hmm. you know that that was my film nerd corner of I just love it just such a good way to tell that story and again you're not thinking oh is this then or now and mm-hmm. and you could do it like usually you could tell by maybe like uh characters like characteristics like change of hair facial hair yeah. or anything yep. like that but this one is just very simple of once it's kind of shown back and forth you're like okay this is then and this is now yeah but the way they yeah they lay it out so how i broke it down is to powerful scenes so the basketball well, scene the, definitely um, like you said, when, when Ed Norton gets arrested and, um, he, the, when he's standing there and they say like, turn around when he turns his whole body and face, the way he's committed to that character is so impressive. And he's so, it's like arrogant. And I don't know, there's so many emotions when he turns, like, it's so powerful to me. Um, when he's in jail, is there's some tough scenes when he's in jail. But my favorite part of it is when the principal comes after the whole shower scene happened. And the principal comes, um, his old principal and then his brother's like current one or whatever, comes and he's um, in the like jail. Like, like infirmary? Yeah, thank you. I was like dormitory. That's not the right word. Um, and he's laying on his stomach and he just starts crying. Like they don't even really say anything. He just starts crying. I just thought it was really well done. Um, and then thank God he meets Buddy in jail because that's what changed his whole. Because he didn't have the pr- pressures or the constant reminder of who he was. I said that in quotes because who he was is very much you know, like part of his group or so when he goes to jail, it's almost like that's all shed and he can just kind of be him and he can relearn things and he can meet people and he can like it just, I think it was going to jail was the best thing that could have happened to him because he was going down a really dark path. Now there's some really crappy things that happened to him in jail, but I think it was so necessary for his character. Um, when he leaves jail and he realized that Lamont is the one that helped him in jail was pretty great. I love that. And then one of the last scenes Ed Norton, I think it's on the final day of the movie and he's in the shower and he gets out of the shower and he can see his big Nazi, right? Yeah. The Uh, swastika. Yeah. On like big tattoo on his chest and the way he's just like looking at it in the mirror. I I don't know why it just really struck me as like, because I think he's, 
you know, when he's looking at it, he's thinking like, what was I? What? <laughs> like, well, what was I before? Yeah. And you, how do I get rid of this? And yeah, even the two, the other two scenes that I thought of, the basketball scene is definitely one to talk about because I love critiquing how yeah. they do sports and movies. Right. And just the way the white guys just like are dunking and they're, it's not that they wouldn't be as good at basketball. It's just funny. And also, I really did not enjoy like how Edward Norton wins the game and he does like a reverse dunk, but the camera angle is so like pointed up and you can, oh. it, and it's so high up that you don't know how tall the rim is. And mm-hmm. obviously if he can't dunk, that's not a big deal. Like even like white he man can't actually, jump. He was actually a good basketball player too. Like for, right. Yeah, you can see fine? Like yeah. you could see he actually had skill. He at least practiced. Yeah. That's like, I, I <laughs> yeah. saw a clip on uh, like Instagram or TikTok and it was, like horrible football like and it was uh what was that movie the duff i think oh yeah yeah and they show the guy throwing and he like it looks like he throws it maybe two feet right like right. there was someone standing right behind the camera ready to catch it because he just like really like like softly throws it right right but for this it, it was it was pretty good considering it was uh for a basketball scene it, it's not the worst i've seen worse right like stranger things stranger things is a really bad basketball scene <laughs> Uh, the other one was when they were talking about the in the past and they're talking about Rodney King Mm -hmm. and it was such a powerful argument and it just is well you know I think they might have you because uh Murray his like not stepdad but like her his his mom's mom's boyfriend boyfriend. was trying to dance around it because he knows there's going to be a reaction he's just like I think they might have used a little bit too much force trying to be like subtle and not to create an argument Mm -hmm. And that's just the person he was, and he just freaks out. Yeah. He's not even willing to, like, listen, right? Yeah. He's got his mind made up, and there's no talking him out of it. So, yeah, it was, it was a good one. <laughs> I don't think I need to see it, though, again in my life. No. Like, I'm... I think I'm good. Yeah, because as soon as we got to the sidewalk stomp, I always thought it was called something else. I thought it was called, like, Curb some... stomp? No, I thought it was called, like, sidewalk Sammy or something. No. <laughs> Sidewalk Sammy. That sounds like I something at the movie theater. I don't know. I feel like it wasn't. That's not how I remember it being called. But anyways. Yeah. Um, And the way I want to connect this into mm-hmm. unless you have anything else. No, I'm good. Uh, there's a video. I think it's Vanity Fair or something on YouTube where they have people break down their most iconic characters. The way Edward Norton and I think it was interesting for his career and he is thought of as one of the most talented actors of his generation as we go through his list it's not it's almost a little disappointing because of you what you think he could be right and he and that's his thing is he doesn't really care about being a celebrity no like not even a little bit he's someone and similar to one of his characters that we'll talk about is he's just so in love with acting Mm -hmm. and the filmmaking or even the like process of making a production yeah so because uh, i researched so much on him he was really he's deemed really difficult in hollywood did you read about that yeah there's one of the movies mm-hmm. we'll talk about where he didn't move forward with the franchise because they had creative differences yeah like he is definitely but i started thinking like if you're so passionate about what you do it must be very difficult i'm not talking about him directly but just in general in anything if you're so passionate about what you 
what you feel is right. Um, it can definitely come across as, as difficult, but I mean, we're not there. We don't know what happens, but it must be frustrating to be like, but I know it could be better or I know it could be different or yeah that's like the sports comparison that i think of is shaq and kobe where shaq was one of the most dominant athletes ever and kobe said if he cared like Mm -hmm. if he cared as much as i did we would have never lost right it's just shaq had all the talent but kobe had the the heart the will drive yeah yeah and shaq didn't really care as much and that's not a big deal he had the career he wanted yeah yeah and it's just the comparison and the person I always think of being difficult to work with is Katherine Heigl, and I think she's held in much lower regard than Edward Norton. Well, it's and I'm sorry, but it is because she's female, because females are, if they have an opinion, they are considered a bitch. And, you know, they are difficult. Christian Bale is one that has got kind of that connotation of being a difficult person to work with. He still gets jobs. She didn't work for almost like 10 years or something, right? Like, it is definitely a stigma in Hollywood. Um with guys, it's a little more acceptable. I mean, they're they're called difficult, but they'll still work with them. Mm-hmm. But you're also comparing like Katherine Heigl to like Christian Bale and Ed Norton is very different on the acting level. Yeah, where Katherine Heigl isn't, people aren't having fun with her on like Grey's Anatomy and people don't like Christian Bale on like American Psycho or Batman right. or even Ed Norton with really anything he's done. But it's also, when you think of his biggest movie, mm-hmm. I, I really think there's only one real option, right. which is a nice little tease because I did this year by year, or I grouped some years yeah, together. Yeah, I, I kind of did the 90s. Um, so 96. Uh, his first film. Yeah, I was going to, so Primal Fear. Yeah. So being, being the, and and that's one where he talked about working with Richard Gere and showing him the ropes and teaching him. It's a great mentorship kind of story. Have you seen that movie? No. Okay. That will be, I want to, after we're done the list, I want us to each pick one and we'll still do our movie challenge, but I still want us to pick one that the other one has to watch. Cause I'm going to say, I love Edward Norton. I think he's one of the best actors out there. I have not seen a lot of his movies. When I start going through his IMDb, I was like, Oh my God, I've not seen a lot. There's definitely a gap. So, but primal fear is fantastic. Now it was fantastic back in 96. I don't know if it's held up, but it's got a good twist and it's got a good, it's a good movie. Uh, also in that year, everyone says I love you in the People versus Larry Flint. Yeah, haven't seen. So either. I saw everyone. No, I haven't seen Everyone Says I Love You. It's a Woody Allen movie. Um, a great cast. Uh, People versus Larry Flint. I had seen. It's Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love. Yeah, I had seen that one. Uh, then we have. I I think it's up there as a two year peak, but with three movies. Yes. So Rounders, yeah, which to me is still the best poker movie ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, American History X, which we just watched and talked about. Yeah, and to me, his most—if we're doing a signatures for Edward Norton—I think it's Fight Club. Wow. See, I'm not. It's a toss-up for me. It's like between Fight Club and, and American History X. It's a. It's hard for me to pick between those two. I think they're both like. I feel like he came onto the scene like balls to the wall man like that that was 90s for him and it wasn't even all of it. it was started in 96 so four years he did some excellent movies 
and turned into kind of an primal fear from the videos they showed and the video I watched was he was just young. He was a kid. Yeah. Like really looked like a kid. And by 98, 99, he's leading man and controlling pretty intense stories. Yeah. I I think that's another thing. It's all of these movies hard to find a lighthearted one. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, it's definitely not his. He definitely likes um, challenging roles too, right? Like the neo-Nazi and then he, you know, one of them he plays like a murder suspect with per- different personalities and he plays a guy with cerebral palsy. Like he is, he definitely likes to challenge himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I have uh, 2000 to 2002 where, again, quite a few movies, none that I had really seen, uh uh keeping the faith uh the scare death to smoochie frida and red dragon oh sorry and 25th hour and you didn't do the score that was t- 2001 that's robert oh, De Niro. i wrote down the. Sc- i did write down the score i, I said the scare oh okay my, like, my that's... o looked like an a okay so the score is an excellent movie it's um Again, I don't know if it's held up, but um, it's uh, Robert De Niro in the heist movie. And he plays a, a kid. Well, so he plays someone who works in this. It's in Montreal. And it's um, I can't remember where the place is, but he plays. He pretends that he has cerebral palsy so he can get into this place. And he works there. And they're trying to. It's like a museum type place. And they're trying to pull off like the last, the big heist or whatever with Robert De Niro. It's a really good movie. And his commitment to like cerebral palsy like is it's pretty it's impressive for sure uh, i'm pretty sure in one of the other ones he also played someone with uh Tourette's yes yes that's what i mean like he likes kind of like really challenging himself in that way um in that section i have not seen uh, yeah i'd only seen the score I'd really be interested. I I would. Did you say Red Dragon? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of would be interested, but then it's like Hannibal Lecter. It seems like a sequel almost. I didn't even know about this movie. And then I started looking at the dates and I was like, oh, right. I had babies at home. (laughs) So maybe I just didn't like have the time for a movie. Yeah. And like we didn't have all the streaming devices and stuff. You can watch stuff at home. Right. I mean, we have Blockbuster. But I think out of that one, the one I'd really like to watch is 25th Hour. And that's another one to, to... I will send you that video because the way he talks about Spike Lee, he says, like, and do the right thing, which it would probably... If, if I'm watching both the movies that you wanted me to watch Primal Fear, I would want you to watch Do the Right Thing. Okay. Because I don't think I've had you... I don't think I picked that yet. No, I don't think so. And the way he Edward Norton talks about how that changed his whole mindset on being a part of movies. Right. Or if he says film, but being a part of something like that mm-hmm. was incredible. And I think we know what kind of regards Spike Lee is held in. Oh yeah. Uh, 2003, big one, the Italian yes. job. I love this movie. I it's ca- so I kinda forgot, fun. I forgot him. Like not, oh, he plays the bad guy. I guess I had to forget. Well, him con- yeah, it. he's the bad guy. I was going to say he's not, but then I'm thinking yeah, he kills like John Voight right at the very beginning. So yeah, he is the bad guy. Yeah. And he's trying to steal all the gold for himself. It's a great movie. It's a fun, like caper heist movie. Like he tends to like those. Like when I was going through, I'm like, oh, there's quite a few heist movies, but I like heist movies. So I was into this one. Mm-hmm. And it, there's also, you could see later closer to present day where he finds someone someone that he likes right uh 2004 to 2007 um a bit 
a a lot, mm-hmm. but a bit more quiet. So he was an executive producer on Dirty Work. He had an uncredited role in After the Sunset. Uh, he was in Kingdom of Heaven, Down in the Valley, The Illusionist, uh, The Painted Veil, uh, uh, a, do- a couple documentaries, uh, Brando and Man from Plains. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of credits, but not... Again, it, it seems like a part of his career where you... Not that you expect him because it's his career he gets to choose, but you'd expect someone like that to, after Italian job, to continue more intense roles. Yeah, so I have a couple of theories. One might be there weren't roles that he was interested in because I, I think he gets to a point where after reading all those, he's like, I can really be picky now. So either he's not inspired by... by that or um no I can't remember what my other one was so not inspired or just had different projects that maybe he wanted to do like like the documentaries or something like maybe he was just like nah I'm good yeah and that it it makes his career that much more fascinating because you see parts and especially you get to the 2010s and it feels like he works every other year yeah and being selective is that's completely your prerogative yeah totally uh, 2008, we get Pride and Glory. He was the narrator for Busting Down the Door and the movie and the franchise he could have been a part of, and he played the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Which a lot of people now complain about Mark Ruffalo and the way he took that character. Mm. I, I haven't seen it. I really don't. I think he that movie by itself was really good, and especially it had characters, because when I saw it, I didn't know it was a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. But I, I just don't think Edward Norton would have done as good of a job in the rest of the movies as right. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I don't see him as that kind of character. Like, I think he needs characters that have more depth and that he can really get behind. And well, I, like, think, I think the Hulk is pretty... Depth? Yeah, pretty deep, like going through the gamma radiation and no but then i'm thinking like sometimes yeah that part but there's like this like dialogue with them and this like fun chemistry stuff with natasha like i just don't i don't think he would be as good at that yeah like i just see it more as mark but maybe that's just because that's who i'm used to i don't know i would when i was thinking about who else he could have played i think he would have been a pretty good doctor strange yeah i can see that for sure because he, even though he has that romantic partner, he kind of still taught, like Benedict Cumberbatch did a good job of just kind of talking down yes. to yes. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Uh, 2009, he had a cameo in The Invention of Lying. Love that movie so much. It really made me laugh. Again, don't really remember that, but it's, it's a funny movie that he's a part of. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he also guest starred on an episode of Modern Family. Daddy was really funny. Yeah, he played a um, a guitarist from a band that Claire thought uh, her and Phil had seen together. Yeah. He did not know who the band who the band was. He didn't know who the guy was. No. And it was a great scene because when I watched it, I was thinking of Ed Norton, this prestigious actor, yeah. and he does this, and I'm like, that's fun. It is fun. It's good to do that, right? throw people kind of off their track of what you they think you are yeah everyone would try to put him in a box and he just does that yeah for one episode modern family did a really good job of getting yeah yeah because i'm almost done now and it's really sad but we just watched the episode where um alex is in 
uh she's put up in this like really nice like not hotel but like uh uh i don't even know what to call it like a just like an apartment or yeah but it's like really uh, fancy and up tech mm -hmm. and uh courtney cox and david beckham are in it oh yeah yeah it's, I don't even know if I remember that. That's I would, crazy. I, I would I'd definitely say watch it because it's also where Modern Family just does the perfect of playing around with characters and someone being in the wrong moment or the right moment at right. the right time. It was just, it was a really well done episode. Nice. Uh, so then 2010, he plays identical twins in The Leaves of Grass. Oh, okay. Which was fascinating that he would do that. Yeah. Not, not again, not the role we would expect him in. He also starred in Stone. Yeah, with Robert De Niro. It's another one I'd like to... Because he reconnected with him, right? So that's one I'd like to see. Uh, then we get to 2012, which is a pretty pretty good year. He was an executive producer on Thanks for Sharing. Mm-hmm. He plays himself in The Dictator. And then he was in, and it begins our run of he found, finds Wes Anderson, and he's now a part of that world, yes. Moonrise Kingdom. And he's also in The Born Legacy. Yeah. Which I really don't remember him in The Born Legacy. I feel bad, but I feel like he just really, when he's in these roles, he's like a chameleon where he just, I don't think of Ed Norton. I think of the character that he yeah. is. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, I'm... Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom, it was probably one of my favorite roles. Well, like, not my favorite role he did, because there's, but I just love Wes Anderson so much, and I love that movie. So, and Born Legacy, I don't remember him either. He must be in with the CIA, though, right? Trying to bring him in or something. Mm -hmm. I also think of just looks wise, I just, not that I confuse him and Jeremy Renner, but I find they have a similar look to them. Right, right. Uh, 2014, another, again, so this is where we're at the point of 2010, 2012, and 2014 joins back with Wes Anderson for yeah. the Grand Budapest Hotel. And a role where when I think of him now, it's the most, I would imagine, a dramatized version of Ed Norton would be. Right. With Birdman. Right. Birdman. So the, good. The character he plays is so in love with the art of acting. Yeah. And it made me think, I'm like, I wonder if... And I don't know if he said this, if maybe he's making fun of himself a little bit for like the perception that he has. And he plays this character that people would be, maybe that is him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's definitely has a funnier attitude than I think he kind of gets. Well, and that's the thing is because he's so private. We know nothing really about him. As I was looking up, I didn't even know he was married and had a kid. Like I know nothing about this guy, but I think that's what makes people accept you more as an actor because they know nothing. They're not bringing any of your personal life into who you are. Right. So I think he's done a really good job with keeping very, very private. Uh, 2016, another again, we're a part of the 10, 12, 14, 16. He's in Collateral Beauty. I never and- saw this. Did really? you? No. Oh, you said it like you did. I know. <laughs> uh, and he's also a voice in Sausage Party. Yes. Which Seth Rogen said he... Um, someone asked Seth Rogen, like, who's the a weirdest or person you wouldn't expect that you smoked with? And he said Edward Norton. Right. I think that's an interesting... Again, because we know nothing about him, it's interesting what he would be like in that situation. I know. We have a perception of him, and it's probably not at all who he is, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then 28... Uh, 17, he is in a movie, or he voices in a movie, The Guardian Brothers, which he just does... It's a... Uh, it's not in English, so he does English language dub for that. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't write it down. Uh, he's also in 2018, the executive, one of the executive producers for Gaudi. Oh, okay. Which, um, directed by Kevin Connolly and is, it, it was a Razzie award winner. Wow. That's too bad. It stars John Travolta and it just, he wasn't. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It, it's. I thought I had seen it, but I guess I hadn't seen it i wonder if todd's seen it i'm gonna ask him because I, I when i watched it i watched it because everyone said it's bad and i thought oh like how bad could it be not that like i'm a huge kevin Connolly fan anymore but i was just like oh i'll see what this is it's just it's about a new york mobster and it just is not it's not good no not not my cup of tea i'll say okay that's fair but again edward norton not in it but i just think he he was an executive producer and i think even him being part of a movie like that um deserves a credit because he made that choice yeah yeah uh he was also in isle of dogs i know i haven't seen that which is seen i that? know with wes anderson yeah so weird eh? i was gonna say I put it on my list i got a running list now of things i have to watch okay um again he found wes anderson and that is the thing that i love and i would love a documentary about wes anderson one day oh, of just how yes. he finds people and edward norton i would say outside of maybe bill murray Yes. Is probably the biggest star that he works with. Right. But then he also grafts on to like Jason Schwartzman. Right. And both the Wilson brothers. They love them. Yeah. Like he's just, he found his group and it doesn't feel like he's pushing other people out. Right. It's just he found his group no, and just, then he'll. He just adds people. Yeah. He'll just move. He'll shuffle people in and out depending on the movie. Right. Uh, then 2019. Uh, at this point, the last we've. Uh, there is a movie coming up, but the last we hear of him was uh, Alita Battle Angel, which he's uncredited in. Okay. And he was the writer, producer, director of uh, Motherless was, Brooklyn. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. I have to, I'm putting it on my list right now. And again, the way he talks about it is it seems like a movie where even... This is the one he has Tourette's, isn't it? Hmm? Is this one he has Tourette's? He's the director of it, too. Yeah. Oh, if it's that, I think that's the only movie he's directed at this point. Yeah, he directed that movie. I just don't know if it's the Tourette's one. That's the thing I don't. Okay. Do I wanna... think it is. Uh, he also has a movie coming up that um, I wrote down the, or uh, I didn't write down the name, but I saw, mm-hmm. and it was something where he is a kidnapper. Is coming up. Yeah, like it's. I think it said he was like done filming it. Oh, okay. Because I looked up his IMDb, and I have to say. The movie that is coming out this year looks incredible called The French Dispatch. Yeah, he's like a kidnapper. Okay, I didn't re- I just read the people in it. So this is the people. First of all, it's Timothy Chalamet, who we love. Uh Francis McDormand, Saoirse Ronan, Willem Dafoe, um Elizabeth uh sorry, her last name's not on here, but it's um Elizabeth Moss. Tilda Swinton, um, Benicio Del Toro, Aiden Brody, Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson, like Bill Murray. Is that a Wes Anderson movie? It is. Because Adrian Brody is another one of those Wes Anderson. Yes. It is a Wes Anderson movie? It is. And so I looked it up to try and see when it was coming out. And it's very dicey. At this point, it kind of looks like November, December. It's done. But I just don't know what, if they're going to release it. Sorry, uh, I got sidetracked. Motherless Brooklyn. He is the director and writer. 
which wasn't the question. What was the question? Is, if he plays if, Tourette's? Yeah, if he has Tourette's in this movie. I think he does, though. Yeah, Tourette's. Yeah. Okay. 1950s New York, a lonely private detective afflicted with Tourette's syndrome ventures to solve the murder of his mentor and only friend. And that's that's such a... If someone is like a film major, you watch that movie because of the acclaim that Edward Norton has and how he's captivated audiences and now he does it for himself. Yeah. Definitely one I will I will watch that as well. The French Dispatch or The Motherless Brooklyn? Well, both. I would watch both. Oh, I'm Again. so excited. Wes Anderson. Uh, my last thing on him was, did you look up his award nominations? I did. Oh, okay. I was going to try to do it as a guessing game. But... Oh, no, I didn't. Go ahead. Throw it at me. Oh, uh, how many Oscar nominations does he have? Three. Which movies? Uh, Primal Fear and American History X and Birdman, I believe. Yep. And no, no Oscar wins. No Oscar wins. I think that is... Somewhere in the... And I also think that might be something he doesn't care about. No, I don't think so. He did win the Golden Globe for Primal Fear, though, which is pretty incredible considering it was his first film. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty high accolades, right? It's almost like you could see that his career... Like, he he could have been Leonardo DiCaprio if he wanted to be, especially if you compare the beginning, like Primal Fear and Who's Eating Gilbert Grape. Totally. But it's just they care about different things and it's funny that they're both like humanitarian and mm-hmm. there's so many similarities between yeah. them but i wonder if they're friends it'd be interesting it'd be yeah. interesting to know if they like does he hang out with like hollywood people probably not no. ed norton no maybe just if he's in a movie with them yeah. but that's about it like I and feel then like- i feel like he'd be like for me my perception of him which could be totally wrong is he is like he's in that character and you're not like shooting the shit with him like he's he's in it especially because he picks such intricate characters like it must be so hard i always say it but like going in and out like that would be so hard for me like i i think i would be that type of person that would be like you can't talk to me right now (laughs) like i have to be in this character but that's i mean i could be wrong but the only one i could think of where maybe he would be fun in the process but although it's not in person would be sausage party because it's such a ridiculous movie and yeah and i think he plays the bagel i don't remember because I'm pretty, and the bagel is, well, the bagel is Jewish, which was like a part of the voice. Okay. I feel like he's, that's the only, maybe not the only time, but the one time I could think of if like everyone was in a room together. Yeah. Just talking about this movie and how ridiculous it is. Yeah. That that would be the time we would maybe, maybe. see him. No, yeah. I don't say lighten up, but. Just, yeah, just be a little loosey goosey. Yeah. But the one thing I've definitely learned from this is how much of, and artiste and how much he really cares yeah he does he really puts a lot of love and care and time and energy into his characters right mm-hmm. yeah he just doesn't like show up and like here. he's not leo he's not a superstar he's an actor yeah yeah that's good all right my turn to pick a movie is it yeah you picked uh, last week fine i think I bet you I could get him to let me pick every week if I was just like, no, you picked last week. I just remember because last episode was really long and I just... It was really long. This time we're a little shorter. That's good. Do you think I've shuffled it enough? I think so. I think All it's right. good. Here comes Shutter Island. No, I'm not watching it. Uh, Movie number 98, The Great Dictator. Okay um yeah uh, your reaction your facial reaction was the same as mine i don't know this movie but 
that's what we're here for. We're here I to know. have fun and learn and see new movies. Yes. And not just watch the Marvel movies. I know. That's really fun, too, though. Yeah. Especially, there's a couple of those on there. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy and the first Avengers. Definitely wouldn't complain about watching those. Me either. I look forward to it. Yeah, because you've been sitting on Infinity War and Endgame for a few weeks now. I know. I told you I'm going to do it for Easter. Because then I can watch them back to back. Which is the only way I think you should be able to do it. Or you find the person on Reddit that edited the movies together so that they were five hours. Or you wait a year like you had to do. Yeah, I had to wait a year. No one else had to. <laughs> it just drives Jack crazy. Which I love I, it. I think it's fair because the agony of watching Infinity War and the sad movie. Not even sad because it is my favorite movie because I just think it's so well done as a movie. But just having to wait a year and theorize and every theory came out. Like even why doesn't Ant-Man fly into Thanos's butthole and expand? There you go. It's a great theory. I think someone asked him, asked like Paul Rudd that, and he just laughed. He was like, "Hey, <laughs> the movie's over." <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's enough for interviews. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think I'm good. Casey, you got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. And besides that, we'll see you next time. Bye.